Addiction is a chronic disease. Millions of people worldwide suffer from substance and behavioral addictions. An addict's life is often unmanageable, leaving the addict and his or her family and friends feeling completely powerless over the disease. Without treatment, addiction can result in disability or premature death. You are listening to Making an Addict. My name is DJ Burr, and I'm an addict in long-term recovery. I'm a licensed psychotherapist, behavioral addiction specialist, and best-selling author of I Just Wanted Love, Recovery of a Codependent Sex and Love Addict, now available on Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. I intend to bring you different perspectives about addiction from various sources, including other addicts in recovery, clinicians who treat recovering addicts, and families and friends of addicts to discover what makes an addict. Discretion is advised. To learn more about this podcast, check us out at makinganaddict.com or follow me on social media at djburr1022 on Facebook or the djburr on Instagram. Hello and welcome to another episode of Making an Addict. I'm DJ Burr and this week we are listening to a conversation between Joe Class and I. Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Well, I'm so glad that we were able to to get scheduled and to get you on the program. Can you tell our audience about yourself and where you're located? Yes, my uh, practice is called Flowing Water Healing, and uh, our offices are in uh, Federal Way, Washington, although I uh, see clients uh, remotely over the phone or via Skype as uh, needed, so I can see anywhere, anyone from uh, anywhere in the country. Excellent. Um, And... I'm a uh, clinical hypnotherapist, a uh, life coach, and most importantly, what I uh, refer to as a soul healer. Nice. What's a soul healer? So what I do primarily is in in our society, we've become so cerebral and so sort of detached from ourselves. And uh, what I primarily practice is an effort to bring my clients in touch with their own sense of self and to empower them to be able to uh, get in touch with who they really are and strengthen their own sense of self, their own ego, if you will, but not in a negative way, and uh, help them to build up the, the strength to be able to face some of those things that they may be using addiction or other not so healthy tools to sort of mask and in doing so uh you know we we help them to um sort of fill in the the gaps fill in the holes that may have been left uh, by some of their experiences in life and uh, it's very much like what uh, medicine men or shaman would have done in in uh, villages in ancient times. I'm sort of what you would call a modern-day shaman, although I find the term soul healer to be a little more approachable to our uh, modern sensibilities. I definitely love the term soul healer. I think people in our profession uh, are spending a lot of time, if not the majority of time, helping people heal those uh, early wounds. And, you know, the focus of this show is about addiction and how people use addiction to uh, numb the pain of their earlier experiences, to fill the void. Uh, and some people in uh, 12-step might say, fill that God-sized hole. And so it Correct. sounds like your work is very similar to mine, and you have, some, you have various layers to yours. So uh, uh, can you talk about 
what your thoughts and beliefs are about what makes someone an addict. Well, I believe honestly that everyone is an addict in one way, shape, or form. Um, we all have experiences from our lives that, uh, you know, uh, all but the, the very most enlightened of us uh, ha- would like to avoid. And, um, uh, you know, it can take a lot of a lot of different shapes. I mean, our society stigmatizes addiction to opioids and severe alcohol addiction uh, and severe, say, nicotine addiction. But you know, the fact is, the way I the way I treat addiction is that you know every addiction is about numbing. It's about numbing a need that hasn't been met at some point in that in that person's life and I mean, we all do that in uh, using you know the drug may not be heroin it might be um, sex it might be relationship it might be religion it might be uh, an overdeveloped sense of spirituality a lot of the uh, sort of new age ideas can be kind of overused and turn into a kind of what what uh, i refer to as spiritual bypass uh, where we kind of sidestep our own issues and go straight into a kind of ecstatic space uh, and, and avoid the problem. And all of those are forms of addiction that uh, you know, not everyone might be aware of. That's true. And I think we have to continue to have conversations about addictions because it doesn't look the same for everyone. You know, the, the, there's a big crisis in our country now around the opioid addiction. Uh, but I think all addiction is a crisis. What are your thoughts? Absolutely. Every, every, every addiction is hiding some form of hurt. And if we don't start healing that hurt that's underneath that addiction, we're going to keep seeing things like what happened in Charlottesville and what's happening you know, all over our country and all over the world. All, of, all we're seeing, all of this hate, hate to me is just angry fear. And, uh, it's, it's sort of like the, the wounded animal uh, syndrome. They lash out because of that inner hurt. And so if we really want to change what we're seeing in society and in the world, we need to heal what's underneath all of that addiction. Absolutely. I can 100% support this, this idea that uh, we, have to, we have to heal those wounds because, like you said, angry hurt. I mean, geez, that's like that's every news article that comes out, uh, you know, in recent months. Um, that's every tweet and Facebook post that comes out that's filled with hate. Um, so where do, where do people begin? What, how do you walk through the process with people? So my approach is always, um, always very much about coming to center, coming to the here and now, kind of like, uh, uh, which you've read Ram Dass's book, uh, Be Here Now, that's when someone comes into my office, the first thing we do is simply sit and take a deep breath and look one another in the eye and acknowledge, you know, being in this moment. And you'd be surprised how many people find that such a novel idea. We spend so much time running to the next moment that we don't relish the one that we're in. And by really grounding oneself in the immediate in the right here and now it kind of gives them permission to sort of relax to kind of unfold to kind of open up 
and it becomes uh, it, it the process almost grows organically from that uh, just giving them the space I really uh, I firmly believe that as therapists we what we're really doing our clients are renting our emotional space in a sense and we simply give them the space to blossom and to grow like a like an orchid like a prized orchid mm. wow. and then I really at, like that imagery. Yeah. yeah. And then from that, you know, once they've learned to relax and to open up, um, specifically with relation to addiction, uh, the, the, the main goal is to get in touch with the need that's underneath it. And so I'll use various techniques from uh, hypnosis, from Jungian psychology, from Gestalt, from uh, NLP and whatnot to help them to sort of uh, teach them to fish, as it were, as opposed to giving them a fish. I teach them to uh, foster a sense of strength, a sense of inner strength, a resource from within, and allow them to uh, grow to a point where they're strong enough to be able to uh, substitute maybe a different technique. So we might use a titration technique or something in place of that addiction. And as we begin to sort of peel back whatever that drug might be, whether it's sex or relationships or spirituality or heroin or whatever, as we peel that back, that need will start to surface again. Because a lot of, a lot of folks have numbed it to such an extent that they don't even know what it is that they need. And so the first, the first key is to kind of peel the Band-Aid back and see what the wound actually looks like. And then when we can, when we can actually see what that is, then we use. Uh, I typically use uh, an age regression technique, uh, a, a sort of hypnotic uh, technique, to bring them back to that place where that original wound happened, and then bring in those resources that we've built up sometimes over several sessions. Bring in that wise adult self that uh, they may not have been in touch with before. Bring in their own spiritual connection. I, we, I lean very heavily on, uh, on, on building up uh, whatever a person's spiritual background is, whether it's Christianity or Buddhism or it's just a sort of general sense of higher self, and bring those resources in to, to um, empower, to heal, to have a corrective experience for that inner child that suffered whatever that trauma was or whatever that unmet need was. And then through that process, they uh, we do. That's where the real soul healing takes place. We'll, we'll often do um, a sort of shamanic soul retrieval kind of process, where we uh, will find the piece of them that split off at that moment of, of trauma, and bring that back in, and and help them to um, kind of become more whole. And and every every session they come out of, they they come back with more of themselves. And as they have more of themselves with them, there's less and less need for any outside stimulus or any numbing agent. It just it simply falls away on its own. Wow. You know, in my experience, most people who are coming into therapy, they're, they're coming in because there's some crisis going on and they're, you know, they're scared. How, how does someone prepare uh, in your opinion, to to come into therapy while they're scared and trust you or or me 
or any other provider to to help them um, on this process of healing when maybe they've been living in fear for so long? So I find that forward movement happens when the pain of where you are outweighs the fear of where you're going to. And um, that's usually, you know, the clients that come and see me are at a place where they, they may not... They may not know where to move next or, or what to do, but they they know they can't stay where they are. Um, you know, the, the the doctor has told them that the tobacco is going to kill them, or the alcohol is going to kill them, and they or they need surgery for something and they can't because of their unhealthy habits. And by um, you know that that's usually the impetus that gets the ball rolling. Um, and for me, as far as you know. I believe anything that you need to change in your life can be changed with two, two ingredients. And that's all you need is courage and willingness. And sometimes it's just the very smallest amount of courage and the very smallest amount of willingness. But if you can find those two little things in any amount, I or you or anyone with the willing, with the, um, the skills to be able to very gently support without judging. And that's the other thing that I think a lot of the fear comes from is society's stigmatization and judgment. And so it's so critical for people like you and I to offer a space where that judgment is, it can't be found. I mean, they can try. And I've had clients try to get me to judge them in some way, and I simply don't. Uh, I look at them with nothing but love and compassion, because I you know, I know what they've gone through. I've, I've, I'm an addict myself. As I said, everyone's an addict. For me, it's food addiction for the most part and caffeine. Um, and, and so it's, it's so much not about judgment. I mean, getting that judgment out of the way is what really allows the space to become sacred and to allow that person to, um, to begin to open up and let go of some of that fear. And once that ball starts rolling, it's like a snowball. It just picks up momentum, and I've seen remarkable changes in a matter of weeks in some cases. So essentially, people need to have the courage and willingness and also be sick and tired of being sick and tired. And uh, Exactly. <laughs> that's what I find is helpful. You know, just be done with, you know, being sick and tired and want to see change occur. Now, I'm curious yep. if your own addiction uh, history or experiences is what brought you into the field of, of counseling. Um, is there any connection there? You know, I wouldn't have uh, noticed it as addiction at the time, but uh, certainly, I'm, I, you know, in retrospect, I think it was. I, uh, yeah, I came into this as a client uh, originally. I um I was, you know, by all accounts, from out, you know, outside appearances, I had a successful career in IT, and I had a you know, loving family, and and uh, anyone who saw my life from the outside would have thought I was, uh, you know, in good shape. And uh, the fact was, I was probably six months away from, uh, as I say, brushing my teeth with a Colt 45. I, uh, I, I had, uh, you know, I was severely suicidal, and. Uh, it was uh, it was a really dark time, and I uh, I found well I my my loved ones basically gave me an ultimatum, 
to to get some help or to you know they were going to get it for me and I uh, went and found a, uh, a hypnotherapist I had been through some talk therapy in the past and hadn't had much luck with it and I found a hypnotherapist near me that uh, was, that trained at the same school that I've since trained at and um, it uh, it literally changed my life and uh, having done that I I found uh, a calling that I didn't realize was there and uh, a, a gift that uh, I, I had always had but never really uh, thought I could make anything of and and uh, you know I, I I I can't imagine myself doing anything else now. Well, I'm glad that you found this this profession. Um, we need more people who are willing to to come forward and do their work, so they can show up and help others do their work. Um, and I'm I, glad you I'm glad you put it that way. Doing our own work, uh, you know, especially the approach that I take, and I and it sounds like you have a very similar approach. It, we need to know the terrain. You know, yeah. if, if I, I tell my clients that if you if your therapist tells you they have no issues, find a different therapist. <laughs> uh, you want you want someone who's been there, someone who's who knows the the terrain, knows the interior landscape, and someone who's been through those struggles and can can offer uh, not just guidance but solidarity. Can you know can take your hand and and walk with you. Uh, and, and, you know, I find that to be a critical part of the of the recipe. Right, and and that's what I do. I, at least I try to do with every client who's willing um, to 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 join me because I'm when they walk in, I'm ready, right? And mm -hmm. sometimes it takes a while to get them ready, and and that's mm -hmm. part of the work is being able to sit and hold space for someone who's not ready yet, but who's interested in learning more. And so that's why I do the work that I do, and it's 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 healing. Yeah. Yes. In in bringing the healing to our clients, we we, you know, we we double our own healing. I mean, you know, a lot of people might think that our work is very altruistic. Absolutely not. I do this completely for selfish motives. <laughs> it, it's uh, I get for I get as much out of it, if not more, than than my clients do. Right. I mean, this is the best work I've ever done. Yeah. And. I, I am doing it for selfish reasons, you know, um, doing this work helped me get sober before I even knew I needed to. Um, and so I'll, you know, I do my best to, to try to show up as my authentic self and, and help people, uh, heal. And, um, and that's why I'm talking to, to providers like you and family members and people who are recovering to continue to, to spread the message that there is hope. Um, you know, there are things out there there's that we can do. There, yeah, there's not only hope; there is thriving. Uh, a colleague of mine likes to say, "Let you know, let's let's stop surviving and let's start thriving." I mean, there is no reason that anyone should have to live a subpar life. We have everything we need. We live in a you know a uh, though our own situations may not always be affluent, we live in a very uh, first world country, and there is no reason that anyone should be suffering the way that they are. And I find that even the, the things in life that don't seem like they would be related to therapy just begin opening up. I had a, I had a young woman come to me who was having trouble finding work, and 
uh, after a few sessions, uh, she actually an hour and a half after one of her sessions, she had three job interviews scheduled. I mean, these things begin opening up and, and, you know, it's not just about, you know, hope or something in the future. It's right now that mm. the life you want is right smack in front of you. If you have the courage and the willingness to reach out for it. I love that. I, that makes total sense to me. We just have to be right here right now and, and, and go after it. Right. And uh, we have, yeah, and we we need the um, to give ourselves permission to want it and to and to go after it. I mean, a lot of times we have this sort of worthiness complex or unworthiness complex, and you know because of maybe you know the stigma uh, the the uh, stigma of addiction or or whatever whatever anyone's personal story has been, you know they they have trouble giving themselves permission to have that thriving life, and it's absolute crap. There's no reason to stay there. The only the only thing keeping you there is your own decision, your own choice. That is true. But the stigma is real. And I wonder if you could talk a bit about uh, whether you think we will ever overcome the stigma of addiction so more people can get help and thrive. Absolutely. There's no question in my mind. But it, you know, I mean... I just, just from what I've seen, in, you know, in the... the in the last few years, uh, you know, the, the expansion of, I mean, 12 step used to be, uh, you know, it was alcohol and it was Narcanon and whatnot. Now there's 12 step for practically anything, you know, there's workaholics, you know, foodaholics. It, it's, it's growing and people are coming out of the, out of the woodwork. And, and, you know, it's, it's sort of like, um, you know, several years ago when, um, homosexuality was, you know, just beginning to come out. And now it's, it's, you know, there's there's been some stumbling blocks along the way, but it's the 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 bravery of a handful of souls. Like I said, it's a snowball effect. It just the more people come forward and tell their stories, like you and I and our clients and and everyone that we everyone in range of our consciousness then tells their story, and everyone in range of that person's consciousness tells their story, it, it, we, can't, we can't stop it. It's not a matter of will it happen. It's a matter of, uh, you know, just hold on a minute, you know. It's going to happen <laughs> uh, rapidly and, and very, very soon. Yeah, I can't wait. I mean, I see it happening now. I see glimpses mm -hmm. of it. I think there are more resources today than, let's say, you know, even a year ago. Um, mm -hmm. for a variety of things, you know, my specialty is sex addiction and codependency and other behavioral addictions and the mm -hmm. discussions are, are coming, you know, we're having more discussions about it. And I try to lead those conversations as well. I share on my social media about different topics and, uh, different articles that come out about sex addiction and codependency because we got to have continue to have those conversations we got to not hide from those conversations because they've been those problems have existed forever this isn't brand new yeah. right but we have to talk about it yeah. so we can deal with it right now today well and the motivation to do so is uh plastered all over the headlines like i said before you know it's it you know the pain of the pain of, of where we are is rapidly outgrowing the, the fear of moving forward. And, 
the the things that we're seeing, you know, I don't want to turn this political, but the things that we're seeing in Washington and the things that we're seeing, uh, you know, all over the country are are an indicator of that sort of pressure of on on the now to move to move out of this place of hiding and fear, and and we're seeing it in, you know, as you said, social media, and we're seeing it as as you know, as the 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 fear and the hate becomes a part of our headlines, the people who who are saying, you know, no, that's not what we want. We don't want a world like that. Are stepping forward, and uh, you know, you and I need to be there to uh, to help them, uh, you know, find the alternative. And and you know, I like I said, I think it's it's just going to snowball. Right. Yeah. Um. I tell people, I said, you know, I see the things that are happening in our country uh, politically, socially, and I see a lot of hurt and pain, and I try my best to stay in a position of uh, compassion and empathy for all who are involved, um, because I know that uh, people just don't show up uh, this way. Uh, it, there's years and years and years of things in the background and at the root that are causing people to, to hurt. Because uh, one of my guests said recently, hurt people hurt, what is that? Hurt, hurt people hurt people. Yeah. Right? And, and so mm-hmm. trying to hold compassion for those hurt people uh, it's a it's a heavy it's a heavy task for sure um, because you know we don't like the things that we're seeing but I also have to hold space that this person is hurting too and um, yeah. and I try to stay in that space instead of uh, being in judgment uh, but it is challenging it is definitely challenging how do you uh, what do you do uh, to maintain your your sense of serenity when working with people who are hurt and showing up for them and, and providing them that compassion and understanding well number one is absolutely what you said earlier about doing your own work uh if you have if you have uh, you know uh, from the Jungian world if you have shadow uh issues if you have emotional constellations within your uh, sort of energetic self, then whatever your clients are going through are going to trigger those. And so you have to do your own work to be able to stay grounded when their energy is kicked up. Um, I mean, that's, that's first and foremost, always. Secondly is breathing, deep breathing. Um, you, you, it's, it's nearly impossible to panic if you are, breathing deeply you'll notice that when people become enraged or become uh uh, you know when when those those hurt people are hurting people they're not breathing they might be panting Mm. but they're not breathing and so continuously breathing deeply and you know just offering yourself the same compassion that you offer to your clients, holding yourself in that same sacred space that you hold for them is, is critical. And having that, that sense of one of my teachers refers to the umbrella of grace, you know, that there's no possible way you can do this wrong. Cause you know, it's, it's, if you're holding space and you're holding compassion, 
only good things can happen. That's beautiful. I really, I really appreciate hearing that because um, that's that's how I show up for for my clients, um, and I think they appreciate it. In fact, some even tell me so that they appreciate that. Um, you know, there's nothing more gratifying uh, than when your session ends and a client is walking out the door and they say, I appreciate you. Um, it's a, it's amazing because that's what I wake up every morning for. I, I wake up to, to take care of myself so I can take care of other people who are hurting and uh, help them thrive. Um, and to get that acknowledgement and it doesn't happen all the time, but to, but when it does happen, it is a true gift to hear that. Yeah. You know, I, I truly appreciate it. So uh, tell me, are you on social media and do you provide uh, outlets uh, on the internet for people to, to get in contact with you? Do you have a blog? I do. I have, uh, it can, uh, on my website at flowingwaterhealing.com, I've got some uh, several blog articles up there, one of which is uh, entitled Everyone is an Addict. Um, and I'm also on, uh, we have a, a page on Facebook where uh, potential clients can, uh, or, or anyone really can reach out and uh, follow. You know, I post articles and various, um, sometimes just inspirational. You know, the mean thing is kind of an addiction in and of itself. But, uh, <laughs> occasionally it strikes an emotional chord and uh, can be meaningful in the moment. Sometimes it's like a, uh, I find sometimes it's almost like a form of divination. I'll be scrolling through Facebook, and exactly what I need to hear pops up in a meme, and I go, "Okay, well, you know, that's the, the divine moves in mysterious ways, and sometimes it happens to be uh, it happens to be through that kind of thing." But um, so there's yes, there's uh, uh, they can also uh, through the Facebook page or through the website they can contact me or they can schedule uh, schedule sessions or schedule a consultation. Excellent. So I'll definitely make sure to include some some links to to you and your work because I think what you're doing is is pretty fantastic. Incorporating you know, hypnotherapy uh, into this work is, is not something I hear a lot about, but I I definitely subscribe to it. Um, I think it can be beneficial to to help people who are struggling with all issues, not just addiction. And so I want to continue to support that work. So I'll make sure to link uh, to your site and your Facebook page and to those articles that you reference. And I, I will myself read your article about everyone being an, an addict because I, I, I subscribe to that. I think that that is true. We all have things that we use to numb the pain. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, I want to thank you for coming on to the show and providing some 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 great insight into the world of addiction. And my hope is that you continue to to do your own work so you can help other people thrive. So thank you once again for being on the show today. Thanks very much for having me. I appreciate it. It's been it's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining the discussion today on Making an Addict. In closing, I want you to understand that there are various opinions about addiction and what makes someone an addict. The opinions expressed here on today's show are those of the person who made them. I suggest you take what you heard, process it, and decide for yourselves what you believe in. 
If you have feedback or want to tell your story on the show, let me know by emailing makinganaddict at gmail.com or you can reach me on social media. Again, I'm on Facebook and Twitter at DJBurr1022 and TheDJBurr on Instagram. Lastly, thank you for giving me the opportunity to be of service. Recovery saved my life and I will be forever grateful. I will keep giving back every opportunity I am given. Tune in next time to witness our ongoing discussion on Making an Addict. Making an Addict is produced by DJ Burr and the Recovery Legacy Network. Today's tracks features music by CDK. Learn more at makinganaddict.com.